All right, welcome Phoenix fans to episode five of the Burning Bird. I'm Steve Leinert, joined here with my partners in crime, Alexander Shaggy Shragus. Back in the studio. And we also have Harvish Meta joining us again this week. Still searching for that nickname. We are still searching it for a nickname. It might take all season. It might take all season. Although now, though, Harvest, you have been involved as a host in more than half of our podcast. So I think officially you are a staple of the Burning Bird. So welcome, welcome aboard. You've been a great addition. And how about that? Those Philadelphia Phoenix getting a big win over the Toronto Rush this week. You guys called it. I did not. I took one for the team, yeah. though. Yeah, you took one for the team. Uh, but we all thought the no. Phoenix had them right where they wanted them, and they certainly took advantage there, Shag. Yeah, that's right. Um, it was super exciting to be there. The Phoenix refused to make it boring by keeping it as close as they could. It took every ounce of defensive ability of different Phoenix players, not the least of which are guests from the previous week, Zach and Mark Sands, to take that game home. Oh, boy, was it exciting. It was so fun. It was exciting. How about you, Harvest? Where, where were you when the when you knew the Phoenix were going to win and, and what was pumping through your uh, your veins there? I was in a stance. You know what? I didn't know if they were going to win or not. I really thought the refs took this game in their own hands. We had some fantastic Ds that they just didn't call. They called fouls on. It was ridiculous. I thought I had a better view in the stands the whole time. But you know what? I was... It was a nail-biter. What was it like in the stands? Was it was there a lot of trepidation where you were probably near some of the yeah. moms that were there? The Phoenix had a Mother's Day yeah. celebration going on. I mean, the, the referees had a, definitely had a rough game, yeah. and we'll talk about that in more in a minute. But the, in the stands, it, there was a little bit of a roller coaster toward the end there. The, yeah. the, the Phoenix held a 16-14 lead. Then the rush come in and tied at 16s. Uh, Mark, uh, Zach Sands gets a block in an, on an end zone play by the rush that would have given him, I think, the lead. And it, that turned into a, a goal for the Phoenix going upwind. And then Mark Sands gets the block to seal it. Mike Arcata throws uh, fittingly as the GM throws the throws the flick to Peter Burt to end the game eighteen sixteen. But I mean, my my word! I mean, what what was it like in the stands? It was it. Did you feel the roller coaster there? What, De- what were the fans yeah. doing? Definitely, in the last one minute, you definitely felt kind of nervousness. You know, some of the anxiousness, uh, the huge yell when they had that seventeen sixteen score, that sliding catch by Himalaya Mata. You know, that he, and you know what? I talked to Alan Michelle after the game. He's like. This is the first time that I felt the crowd, you know, 16, 16. This was the first time I felt the crowd's presence. You know, usually they're just there, they're watching us, but this is the first time I felt pressure. I felt that we needed to win for them, you know. Well, yeah. the, the Phoenix, I mean, you, first off, you saw the, the, the veteran championship caliber level that the Rush have played at over the years sort of rising there in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter as, they, as they, they felt more comfortable in the situation of a tight game late against the opponent they were against as opposed to the Phoenix who were definitely facing a, an opponent they had never defeated before and they were trying to hang on. I thought, and Andrew DiSabato, my... Uh, my color uh, commentator with me in the boot there also thought that they were being conservative, swinging the disc a little too much, not taking up field throws, and that definitely led to a very tight situation there, Shaq. Yeah, I think that part of that is that the team lacks a very aggressive um, handler in terms of taking shots. The people who are hucking the disc successfully in this game were not our great handlers in Ethan Ford and Dustin Damiano. They were 
Uh, Sean Mott, six assists. Um, six assists for Mott. Stuart Heen was pretty aggressive with the dicks. Mm-hmm. Bryce Dunn was letting loose, and with the exception of one huck that just slipped out of his fingers, threw two hucks for scores. So I think that when the game is close and we're putting the discs in the hands of our handlers, we're not going to see them be aggressive because those handlers are just not aggressive. Like, that's not their game. And, and I think that we maybe we need that, and I don't know where it's coming from on this roster. I don't know who the, um, the additional handler is on that O-line, particularly with sort of Ryan Weaver taking a back seat to how this season is uh, evolving. I don't know who the handler is that's going to come on the O-line and make more plays. Well, by the way, we are at the Remax Ready Studio here today. Uh, Remax Ready, uh, Gina Weary, uh, the realtor for Remax Ready, uh, graciously having her in, having us in her office, uh, so we can do this recording in this beautiful soundproof studio. Uh, if you're looking to buy or sell your home, or a home, or anything of the sort, Gina Weary is the realtor for you. Remax Ready Realty here in Conshohocken. So, I mean, other than Mike Arcata with four goals, Greg Martin with four goals, Mott six assists, the Sand Brothers uh, combining for five goals. I mean, you talked about Bryce Dunn. You, you, you talked about Stu he- uh, Stuart Heen. I mean, these guys really stepped up on Sunday and and really won a game they really needed to win. You talked. To, I, I talked to Mike Arcata after the game, and he said he felt like they should have won by a few more points. And they, they a lot of they left a lot of meat on the bone, so to speak, out there in, in this particular game. So I'm wondering exactly uh, what what to expect going forward from this Phoenix team. I mean, it, Montreal's coming in this this Saturday night for another home game here at AA Garthway Stadium in Conshohocken. They're zero and three, but much like last week was a classic trap game for the Rush. This is. To me, a classic letdown scenario for the Phoenix. There, Harvest, what do you think? you think there's a possibility of a letdown here this week? A little. It is a trap game for us. You know, Montreal at the bottom of the Eastern Division Conference. You know, they have zero wins. They're still looking for that first win. What better win to have a Phoenix win, you know? They're looking, at, they're looking at the standings. They're saying, you know what, what teams can we win against? They're looking at Ottawa, looking at Phoenix. They tried to beat D.C., you know, barely lost that game. I think they're really going to come for a fighting chance to win that game. But, I don't know, they are traveling from Canada. So, and it's going to be another hot day, too. So, we, we have to see. Well, and it, and it is the first leg of, of, that, of that long trip down. They, they, mm-hmm. So, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Montreal Royale here. They are 0-3 to start their season. Last week, I, 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 I got to watch a little bit of that D.C.-Montreal game after the fact. And D.C. held a 20-16 to lead in the fourth quarter. Montreal scored the last three goals to make it a, a tighter game than it might have otherwise seen. So it's, you look at Montreal's record and you look at that type of outcome against a D.C. Breeze team and you, you kind of think if the Phoenix are seriously going to start contending for the playoffs, and let's be honest, as of today, as of this recording, they are in the thick of the playoff race. They are in a virtual tie for third. And um, we'll get to all the scenarios here in a second. With but the if head-to-head they're, against Toronto. And they have a head-to-head against Toronto. Let me, like, if you're going to be a playoff team, 
you have to beat the Royal at home and follow up that rush win with another solid hand handily taken care of victory here at AA Garthway Stadium on Saturday night. Shaggy. So I thought that I watched the DC Montreal game and I thought it was really strange because DC was on the second day of a back-to-back. They'd just done this huge Canadian uh, road trip. They lost a gut-wrenching um, buzzer beater to Ottawa in Ottawa, a game that they def- probably felt like they could have won. And I read the Tuesday toss. They definitely seemed like they thought that. And th- they got burned on the timeout, D.C. Again, the, the two weeks ago against New York in double overtime, they called timeout, and the refs ruled they didn't have one, and that wasn't the right ruling, and it cost D.C. a game. And in this game, Ottawa uh, had the disc, and they called timeout before even attempting a throw, and then there was a big joke between the D.C. guys and the Ottawa guys on whether or not they did have a timeout. But Ottawa, before that double overtime happened, they made sure the rules were in place. So this was a legit win by the Outlaws. Sorry to interrupt you, Shag. No, it's okay. For sure, all of that would lead me to believe that DC is the physically exhausted, mentally checked out team. And coming in, and the, for right from the start of that Montreal game, Montreal just looked out of sync and slow. They were letting DC cutters release on the break side as if like no one in the AUDL could throw a break throw. They weren't attacking in a way that like made sense. They settled for a lot of very lazy um, swings that resulted in turnovers. Look, part of this is that um, the Canadian style of ultimate lends itself to more upside down and blades and, and blady throws than the United States style is. We've seen the great success. You know, the, Toronto is one of the best teams in both the club and the professional division in the whole existence of the AUDL. But they didn't need to do that. Like, they could have just stepped and thrown a backhand, and instead they're trying to throw blades across their body, and it's getting turned over because DC w- looked hungry and Montreal didn't. And I think that's really strange, and it's hard for me to imagine, unless something dramatically changes from a mentality perspective, Montreal going on a road trip and looking more checked in than they did at home with time to prepare against an exhausted DC team. I it's I was flabbergasted to walk to see. Well, maybe that's there's there's there's, there's something going on up there where they just didn't quite get the personnel they got they had in previous years right now. I mean, there's there's something going on there because the Royale have always put out a quality team. And for them to be 0-3 and, and, and then facing this daunting road trip, I mean, we saw Ottawa do it to, to no avail. Uh, Toronto Toronto started 3-0 and before the weekend, and now they're, they limped home 3-2 and and with, with losses to both the Empire and the Phoenix. And what a changing of the guard. That that means, that, I mean, that, that to me that signals... There's new sheriffs on the block, and these tight games each and every week. I mean, uh, as I mean, I, I know I'm being a little biased here as a play-by-play announcer on AUDL TV. If you're not, if you don't have a subscription, and you're catching, and you're missing some of these games, you're missing a lot of cool ultimate frisbee action. Not nah, like it, it, in all seriousness, these games are super tight, especially here in the East. Uh, DC Montreal 2019, Ottawa DC 22 21. I mean Philly 18 16. I mean these are these are some these are some good games here. So. Again, Montreal coming into AA Garthway Stadium this Saturday night, 6 p.m. Uh, shaggy? Let's hear that Shaggy stat of the week. Oh, I'm ready. So um, the, there's a huge contrast in styles between these two teams, and I think it summed up in no better way than the difference between um, Montreal's 
biggest thrower. So the person who throws the most, completes the most passes for Montreal, which is Godair, and the person in Philly who completes the most passes, which is Ethan Fortin. Montreal has played one less game than Philly, granted. Uh, Godair has 70 total completions. And a very high completion percentage, 99%. Ethan Fortin has 180 completions through four games, which is like 57 a game, which is basically Go, uh, Godair's season total is what Ethan's doing per game. So the difference between Philly's small ball approach of swing, 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 in-cut, swing, 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 in-cut, swing, 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 in-cut versus um, Montreal, which is always looking to for huge chunk yardage is n- no better reflected than in, than there, I think. That's 70 to 180 completion difference. Pretty solid stat. Right, Harvest, what do you got over there? Here's what I got. You know, I got a brother on a team. You know, him and my brother. I'm very critical of him. Well, no, no, this is, this, this is, this, this is, this is breaking news. I mean, oh, I yeah. thought you guys are related. Oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, oh yeah. my word. Right, that well, is such, so common. Okay, this is exciting. Okay, maybe, maybe we can get him on the show at some time. Oh, yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. He is traveling. So, <laughs> no, I know. So, I know his schedule. He's been traveling a little bit. That's why he looked kind of off on Saturday. You know, the only redeeming quality of his game on Saturday was he played tremendous defense whenever there was a turn. And he also had that last yeah. kid, last important catch that... He, you know, caught the last, the, he caught the game-winning goal, Harvard. Exactly. And he had a big defensive block Which, on a deep shot... <laughs> On going downwind on that, I believe the same point. So was that? Did he get bookends on the game-winning point? Extended and, and you're giving him a hard time, and you huh. and you're his brother. Extended bookends because Philly tur- would turn it again. And, and oh, that's point. true. That's true. Okay, but I forgot about that. The same point where Zach gets the layout D mm-hmm. um, is also a point where. Yeah, Himalaya had a huge D yeah. to save to save the season. The only redeeming quality is that last point, though. I mean, the whole game, you know, we look kind. Of, you know what? That's okay. You know what? I, I, he I, was he was missing. I, I didn't I didn't nearly say his name enough. Yeah. During the game, so you're, you know, I'll yeah. give you that. I'm, I you know there was like something missing from from Himalaya's game. I, I can be critical. I can be critical. Oh, okay. Well, you've opened the door for yeah. you've opened the door for all of us. Go yeah. ahead. Let's let him have it. Oh, yeah. Give it to him. <laughs> so the I looked I looked at previous Montreal stats. You know. Okay. I think. I think my brother Himalaya, he's he's had very successful games against Montreal. They have had no answer for him in the past. I looked up the last three games last season. My brother has first season of the Phoenix. First game, four assists, five goals, a couple blocks. Second game, two assists, seven goals, a couple blocks. In the last game, it was a pretty sizable lead to probably rest of their starters, but he had one assist and five goals. These are these are pretty high stats. If you put any of these stats in this season, they'll be number one for every week. That Phoenix plays another opponent. Sure, you know, these would be mind blowing stats. So I'm expecting him to have, a, you know, not a breakout game, but a better game this week and kind of get back into the rhythm. You know, he's been kind of on the road for the past two weeks. I know he had home games, but he's been on the road. I know his personal life, so I can share those details. <laughs> <laughs> Who's he dating? Huh? No, I'm no. kidding. No. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I didn't want to get too personal. I don't know. Uh, we can maybe. No, 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 no. So, all right. So, I, I guess this is a a, a a proper time for a good segue into the Phoenix players of the players to watch and players. Mm-hmm of the week of uh, type of uh, segment here. Uh, so we clearly have Harvish who believes his brother Himalaya is the player to watch yeah. against the uh, Montreal Royale coming up this Saturday. Shag, who do you like this Saturday? Who needs to step up big this week for the Phoenix if they are going to be successful and come out of A.A. Garthwaite Stadium with yet another big win over a Canadian opponent? 
I'm picking my friend Stuart Heen. I said that um, Phoenix don't have a lot of... We, like, I don't know who can step into that aggressive handler role. I think that the two handlers that we have now in Damiano and Foran are extremely consistent and extremely good possession handlers, so I have no complaints about them. Stu gave me all of the, like, flair that I want to see in a handler with... Also, the impressive accuracy that Fortin and Damiano have been putting on display. He really should have more assists than he did. There was an unfortunate drop on a perfect hammer that hit... Uh, Shama! <laughs> right in the hands! And yeah. Then... And not, it wasn't... He didn't have to strain for it either. He tried to do that, like, close to the summit crap, clap catch, and it just bounced off. I think that this is a breakout game for Stu, particularly because we need another handler on that O-line um, to continue to help distribute the disc along with... Um, Damiano and Fortin because Scotty's not there. Ryan Weaver has been is uh not currently starting on the O line. Peck is in Colorado. I think Stu is where I'm looking for it. All right. Well, you know, I was I was I, I got to say I was really proud of myself after choosing Sean Mott to be my player of the week to step up last week, mm-hmm. and for him to come out and throw six assists and score a goal was uh, was was nice to see. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna hurt my. I think I just hurt my arm patting myself on the back there, but uh, I'll sure as heck take it. Um, yeah, you know, this week I, I'm going to call out the. I'm going to call out Eric Nardelli. I need mm-hmm. Eric Nardelli to shut down some of these Montreal cutters from the back of the stack and 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 get some of these guys coming in. I want to see him start getting some layout blocks on some underneaths and some and some in cuts. I know he can sky, and I know he's a good defender in the air. Right, and he can he, he loves to go deep, and he loves to, he loves to play deep defense. But when his guy goes underneath, I don't want to see him settling for just being happy to put a mark on and be in the right direction. I want to see these guys get a little bit more aggressive. And like I, I saw some of the Phoenix defenders, like Shashank Alati and Mark Sands and, and and Mott to an extent. They you, you saw Esser. They started really laying out late in that. Mm-hmm. game against the rush and to me that was guys that were they were saying i'm leaving all this on the field right here and i'm not saying eric nardelli doesn't do that sometimes some, well, hold on, sometimes sometimes people like that are that good um make it look easy and effortless and maybe mm-hmm. i'm just missing that but i would love to see this guy if, if he starts laying out and getting aggressive horizontally on in cuts it's, it's he can be a game changer for the phoenix i know i know we were expecting a fresh phoenix on sunday but i know they did have amp tryouts on Saturday. Yeah, that's true. Nardelli that's true. and Stu Heen. They both had tryouts. <laughs> so and Stu Heen played incredible, but, you know, he had tryouts. And Mott. We had a lot of players on our team, you know, have Nard tryouts. maybe a pop uh, tryout person. I yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a great you know, point. Just, Either way, yeah. they were they were gassed from the day before, regardless if it yeah. was pop or amp. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... Where's the, where's the, okay, I, yeah. you know, so I, I'll expect I, more I, from then, his, I, then I should maybe yeah. cut him a little break is yeah. what you're saying? Is no, give no, a no, bit, I'll oh. expect more from him this Saturday. I'll uh, expect him to be fresher. Okay, there you, go, there you go, all right, fair enough, fair enough, right, yeah. I'll take that, I'll yeah. take it, yeah. He does lead the team in integrity calls. Man, that one. Okay, can we talk about that? Can we talk about that for one second, man? I, I like, have, he, I he's a nice guy. Him. He's a nice guy, right? I, and I get that. And then I, I like I, I like Eric Nardelli. I think he's a really good person. Um, if that ref didn't call that foul, I don't know. You can just overrule something that wasn't ruled on. You know, like the the, 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 the he 
he did not hit that player. That yeah. that guy dropped that disc. Mm, 100%. And before he hit him, and for Nards mm. to, get, to give it to give it up was to me was maybe. Maybe he was trying to make up for some mistakes the refs have made earlier in the game. He didn't drop it. Nard did it. Nard got the D. He got the block. Well, and then he called it integrity because he thought he that he hit his hands, or the guy thought that he hit his hands. And yeah, Nard, you can't just Nard did it. You can't just give integrity calls if someone yells at you like, "Oh, you hit me!" Oh, yeah, my bad. I'll, yeah, go ahead, take the desk. Right. If somebody's yeah. just, I didn't know he was yelling at him because no, it was he, on the far side of the field from where I was. Oh, I was standing right there, yeah. and he was yelling at him. No. He was he was exclaiming, pl- exploring, exclaiming, exclaiming. Yeah, exclaiming. He was on, on his knees, both yeah. hands. He happened to be on his knees because he had yeah. fallen over. He, had, he didn't fall to his yeah. knees. You know the Canadians. You know they. You know they're very uh, you know, demonstrative yeah, with their hands yeah. and on their. Yeah, well, let me. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> the Canadians on their knees, demonstrative with their hands. Something okay. I don't I don't understand is number twelve, Remy Ojo. Remy Ojo. Ta- Remy Ojo tackles Greg Martin. Oh my goodness! And, and he doesn't call dirty call. Come on, if you're doing it on both sides, where is it? You know that 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 is a call that is indicative of not understanding who Greg Martin is. Which I was so happy to see Greg Martin back. There were times during that game. You said Sean Mott had six assists. I think four, well maybe three of them were him just seeing uh, Greg Martin jogging deep and say, "There's no one in the league that is going to outjump Greg Martin," and just boosting it and he was right every time except the one time when Greg got tackled and that's just not knowing who Greg Martin is I don't care if that disc is 15 feet in the air I think Greg's coming down with it he can jump out of the building he definitely could jump out of the building play outdoors no he he would he, he jumped through the roof at A.A. Gartley Stadium and we don't have a dome there is, so <laughs> is, that a, is that a rule in ultimate I know in football you know if there's pass interference you gotta see if it's catchable or not but is that a rule in ultimate because if you get fouled, you get fouled. No, you get Even it. if the disc is there, this, right? this is true. This is true. And there was some. There was there was one series of play, and I and I talked to Toronto coach Sasha Reina after the game, particularly about the the referee, and, and uh, he 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 commented on how disappointed he was in in some of the calls. And I know that Jeff George and uh, Christina Chung uh, gave uh, head ref. Uh, J.B. Harrington, an earful after the game. And there was a sequence where, and I, I'm, I'm I'm trying to be fair, I'm trying to call it down the middle, and I, I think I did during the broadcast, where on one end of the field, the Phoenix guy gets a, gets an around-the-shoulder defense, and there's contact, but there's not enough to, to, for a call, right? You know, and, uh, and the, there's, the Toronto Rush player wanted a call, and the ref didn't call it. Down the other end, on the same referee, on the same exact play where a rush player dives around the back shoulder. It happened to be in the same sequence. And he did the same exact play, and the ref called a foul. And Sasha Reina was like, what? How can you call that and not the previous one that happened down the other end? And it just started a whole thing. The referees lost control of the game. There was a fight in the first quarter. There was a fight in the first quarter. How? What? If you're... (laughs) How are you controlling the game if there's a fight? I, the whole point is to legislate the games so that there aren't fights in the first quarter. With Sean Mott. I mean, it was well Mott, and there, there was all kinds of people talking a lot of smack, and uh, there was a, a, a uh, game misconduct call on uh, one of the rush from the sideline yeah, for what he was saying. And it was just, I mean, uh, it, it, it wasn't the finest hour for the referees uh, in Philadelphia on Sunday. Let's just say that. And uh, I, I don't want to say, because, I mean, towards the end, they were bad towards both sides. So I, mm-hmm. I can't sit there and say that it's favored one over the other. Um, it was just, it was like bad weather. It was like yeah, both teams had to deal with it. 
And uh, it's, that's not normally the case here in Philadelphia. But last week it was just maybe they had a particularly bad game. So, all right. So let's move on here. Um, we have quite a few games coming up this week that could impact the playoff schedule or the playoff uh well, they will have playoff implications here in the Eastern Division of the AUDL. So not only do we have Montreal coming to Philadelphia Saturday night, uh, Ottawa's going to New York. Uh, Montreal then has to travel to D.C. on Sunday to play the Breeze. And, and we have a real interesting game to talk about here is the Toronto Rush is are playing host to the Madison Radicals in a rematch of, I believe, the twenty. 20- 14 AUDL championship game. Um, I could the be the, 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 the Toronto yeah. one, and uh, yeah, because Madison just won their first title last season. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this is a big rematch there. Uh, if the, the Radicals are a are the defending champions of the AUDL, and they're playing the Rush, who just had a really rough road trip south. So the Rush are staring three and three. In the face right now with a loss to the Phoenix and to the Empire. How do you think that impacts the Eastern Division if the Rush were to lose that game? And what do you think it would mean to the psyche, to the uh, uh, to the to the, to the thought process of the Phoenix and the Breeze going forward as they uh, try to get into the playoffs? Harvish. You know, I, <laughs> Sorry. I I know I know Toronto is coming off of two losses, but I think they take comfort in it. I think they they understand that they didn't have their full lineup. They were missing a lot of starters when they came here. I'm happy you got the win, but they were missing starters. They were they were shorthanded. When they got here, you they know? were, and so going back home and hosting Madison, I think I think they'll be more confident. I think they'll be confident that their rookies did a very good job this this week. Other than debacle in New York, they. They kind of fought back with the Phoenix, and it was a close game. And I think they're going to go back home and take it as a positive note, say, hey, we have rookies that prove themselves, that they can play in the AUDL. And now we have some great depth to show Madison, where Madison has a bunch of old players that are might leave next year as they're starting. They're starting to get yeah. a little long in the tooth, that's mm-hmm. for sure. But I'm sure they yeah. they're, they're also are... They they want to show the rush that they are the champions for a particular reason. Yeah. Is that something you think, Shag, or how do you, how do you, what's your thought process on this game? I think that Toronto was missing um, about half its starting D line and Andrew Carroll, who's one of their most dynamic offensive players. I think that um, that Midwest division is bad. I think it's it's a fun division, but a bad division. I don't think that those teams are talented, and I don't have a lot of stock in Madison right now, and I think Toronto's going to demolish them. Wow. Because I think Toronto's going to be furious. They're going to have all their starters back, and they're just going to run away with it. Like, maybe like 28 to 19 run away with it. Wow. The, the Shaggy calling for a blowout in in Toronto this weekend for the rush. Just, How about that? Um, okay, go ahead. Keep going, Shag. I just think that, look, Madison lost to Minnesota, and then Minnesota turned around and lost 13-11 to 11 to Indy. I've watched games played in, like, 40-degree weather when it's thundering and lightning outside, and both teams managed to score more than 13 points. I don't know how that happens in an AUDL game. Yeah, I found that would be, be shocking, too. And, they, and this is the team that Madison lost to? They put up 11 points in an AUDL game. What? What? 
Uh, maybe they were missing people too. I I don't I have no idea, but uh, that was that was a shocking result. Every other game, you see, it's like I mean the Phoenix eighteen sixteen game was was relatively low scoring, and, and but that was wind. Uh, there was a lot of wind and uh, it was pretty hot. It was and it was hot, yeah. And uh, now, I mean, I don't you know I don't know what to think about that Midwest division anymore, man. I mean. Yeah. You mean who's coming out of that, and how strong are they, or how bad are they? I mean, that's a really good point. They have Detroit in that division. Detroit looks like the 2015 Phoenix right now. Oh, they look. Games. Oh, no kidding, man. They, they, that's that's saying something too. <laughs> um, so, Harvest, you didn't give us a pick. You, who did you like, Toronto, Madison? Who's your? You know what i I do. I, I like being against Madison a lot, but I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick four Madison this time. You're, you're taking yeah, the radicals. Take them, okay, all right, all close right. game though. It's gonna be a close game. I'm gonna say, what do you think? Seventeen sixteen. Seventeen sixteen. Oh the radicals over the rush in Toronto. That would be heartbreaking if they lost. Eighteen sixteen and seventeen sixteen. That would be oh, that would be almost as bad as the breeze going to double overtime. I think it'd be close though. Yeah. Two weeks in a row for crying out loud. Can't call timeouts, you know. Well, you know. <laughs> Like darn coach down there better get his stuff together, DC, huh? We we won the game. <laughs> <laughs> Long standing feud with Daryl Stanley no, shows no, no, not at all, not at all. When we start talking about playoffs, we want DC to lose. We're happy about oh, that yeah. game. We're so oh, happy that, oh, was. that was a huge oh that was a that that opened the door wide open for the Phoenix, so I couldn't agree more. We want to send that. Ottawa some chocolates. That, that's something. <laughs> Get them some some cheesesteaks and send them up there. Let them know what to get them some good food up there. So, uh, all right. So, uh, New York and Ottawa. Who do you who do you like in that one there, Shag? Is it uh, in New York? Uh, does it matter? Nope. I'm picking New York. <laughs> I think they're going to keep their only undefeated team in the ADL streak rolling. They don't have to play Toronto for the rest of the regular season, which is a little bit of a scheduling god's boon. I'm sure all the ownership in New York and Toronto are like, oh, one game. Okay, fine. We'll take that. Uh, and I'm sure they'll get a rack up. They're gonna feast on this Ottawa team. Feast. Uh, I think it won't be as big a feasting as Toronto's gonna do to Madison, though. All right, all right. Well, I I think New York puts up a thirty spot on on Ottawa in New York this week, oh, man. Really? I think it's like a thirty to thirty to twenty type of game. I think it's be a respectable loss. You know, respectful. You know, I think it's gonna respectable be loss respectable loss for yeah, uh, yeah. Ottawa. Oh know? yeah. College. Yeah, what's your what's your what's your what's your story of respectable? What's what's your score? No, I think I, I think Ottawa. Pretty well against DC, you know. Okay. And DC had a close game against New York. Right, right. So, I I could see them. Oof. Eighteen twenty six. Twenty six eighteen. Yeah, twenty six eight. Eighteen twenty six Ottawa. So, so I, I guess no, 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 no. Eighteen twenty six. Yeah. New York is no, twenty six. No, yeah. So an eight point wins. We put the big York. number before the little number, Harvish. <laughs> so I just played basketball and I lost a bunch of games. So I. Yeah, you lost a bunch that. of games. Yeah, nine that. to twelve. <laughs> I've been on that, that backside. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. New York, right. uh, it's college nationals this weekend. Are any of those um, – is Bo Kitteridge still in college? Is he going to play? Uh, I don't know. He might have just ran out of eligibility That's last year. Yeah. <laughs> Being that he's trade cats and backs age practically. I mean uh, – but uh, – <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, no, but the, isn't Jack Williams still uh, – No, still, is he, he, he graduated is he done? in is he like done? 2015. 16. Oh, jeez. Uh, 16. Good, 16. I'm on top of that there, so. All right, uh, like, moving on. Uh, Montreal at D.C. on Sunday. 17. He graduated in 2017. Um, I'm picking D.C. I think whatever the result of this Philly game is, I think that Montreal's going to be exhausted. I watched Fresh Lake Montreal look exhausted against D.C. before, and – I think that Montreal is about to 
be staring at a very unfortunate sequence of events for them. I'll okay. save that for the Philly pick. Okay, but. and uh, what about you? What you know, about you, you talk about Daryl Stanley a lot, and yeah, I do. I don't, I don't think he's gonna let that nineteen twenty win ever happen again. No, not not at all. Or twenty nineteen win, I guess. I'm sorry. Yes, big number over little number. Yeah, yeah it's okay. We'll work on that. We'll work. All right. <laughs> um, no, no, Daryl. I, I see this at least by a four to five goal win for the yeah. for the Breeze easily. And I, I think Shaggy, you're right. That Montreal having to go further south after having to play the Phoenix first is uh, is 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 the probably the last thing you're going to want to do on Sunday morning. Also, think about how how much towards the end of that game, half of the be- the bench is not going to be as into the game as they want to be because they're going to be thinking, oh, my God, we got to go 10 hours north after this, 14 hours north, 17, I don't know how long it is, 17. I'm picking 17 hours north. It's about 11 hours from D.C., but that's okay. To, uh, to Montreal. <laughs> yeah, it's nine hours from here, from Philadelphia to uh, to Montreal. That's okay. Hey, the 17, 17 makes it sound even better, man. I mean, like, you know, and it's uphill both ways, Shaq, and, they, and they're barefoot. So yeah. I mean, it's absolutely horrible what the it's Royale you have to pedal the Royale have to go through. By the way, all right. So let's uh, before we end the, the podcast, we'd be remiss if we didn't pick make a make our choices for the big Montreal Royale at Philadelphia Phoenix game, AA Garth Wade Stadium, six p.m. Saturday night, May twenty fifth. Come on out and join us, Shag. Who wins the game on Saturday night? I'm picking Philadelphia. I don't have a lot. Philly's played Montreal really well. They're the teams. It's a team that we've uh, even more than Ottawa, which is interesting because I think Ottawa has not had as successful a season as Montreal has. It's the team that we've been able to pick up wins against last year, and I think that's that trend's going to continue this year. Um, but I don't know if the Phoenix are ready yet to really blow out a team because we couldn't quite shut the door on Ottawa, and we super couldn't shut the door against. Toronto. So I think this game is going to be close. I think um, I've all, I've, apparently I'm really up on the Phoenix's offense, even though they can't score points. But I think like 22-19, 22-18. I'm going to pick 22-19 as the final score. All right. All right. And then the Phoenix with the win for Shaq. the 22. Uh, sorry, 19-22. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do this. Does, does, you, does everybody see what i got to put up with week in and week out here? I mean, Hey, mine's the last mistake. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Harvest, yeah, I know Harvest. All right, Harvest, give me your pick for the for the uh, Royale Phoenix game, please. Ooh. Phoenix, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't I didn't mean to surprise I think, you. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, think, I think Phoenix are going to blow out this time. Okay, they're going to blow out. You All think right. they're ready? Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm calling out my brother. You better score some points. At least know? at least five goals, right? Yeah, I mean, that's his average. I, another one. At least five goals for against the Royale. You know, better score some points. You know, I think Mark and Zach have been incredible. They really. They really put up what they were saying. You know, they, they told us they were going to crush it, and they did crush it. So I'm expecting them to crush it again. I think Billy's going to be great. Mott's back on fire. I think this is our blowout game. This is 27-19. 27-19 Phoenix for, for Harvest. Okay. Yeah. Now, now last week I, I picked, a, picked a rush, but it was kind of tongue-in-cheek because I, I've been the mush, the kiss of death. Any team that I picked for in the Phoenix's games, I've uh, it's gone the other way. Yeah. Uh, I know I had the first game. Oh, no, I picked the New York game. I think I, I think you I picked, picked the Empire. The Phoenix to win. I picked the Phoenix. I game. picked the Phoenix to lose. That's right. To win. That's right. I, I did pick the Phoenix. You were to glowing win. over the graphic that Christina made. I was. I was. It was okay. All right. Good. Okay. All right. Out of out of out of respect for for all of that, I am going to take the Royale in an upset. 
twenty to nineteen at AA Garthwaite Stadium. I, I think the Phoenix have a letdown. I think they have their hands full, and I think the Royale are going to come in and shock the Phoenix. That's admirable. I'm impressed that we're at a point <laughs> in the Phoenix season where we can be shocked by a team. I think that says a lot about. I think it's, hey, it, you know what? This is a this is a this is a big deal. Things are things are happening here in Philadelphia for the first time in a while, and it's really nice to see. We had a great crowd. We had like three, four hundred people out at the at the game on uh, on on Sunday there, even though it was hot, and it was it was it was beautiful to see. I will say, um, the Phoenix. Part of the reason that the Phoenix won that Toronto game is because they forced Hurst and uh, Akafumi Marioka to become throwers rather than the finishers that they excel at, and they turned the disc over. I mean, they did not have as good a game as they usually do. I think Marioka had the game-sealing turnover where he, he just flicked it into the dirt. Hurst had, I think, three or four throwaways. And um, Bano, who is the best cutter on Montreal, he is, he is a much better thrower than those two are. So it's interesting to see how our defensive approach could shift based on that. And maybe we try to make him a thrower and he, he burns us for it. And your prediction regrettably comes true. <laughs> well, Benode, Benode is going to be a problem for the for the, uh, for the the Phoenix being their leading scorer. And uh, speaking of problems, uh, I am uh, not looking forward to having to pronounce French-Canadian names on the broadcast incessantly for a couple hours. So if you want to hear one of the worst... French Canadian Philadelphia cross accents in the history of time. Tune in to AUDL TV and the uh, Montreal Royale versus the Phoenix on Saturday night, starting at 6 p.m. from AA Garthwaite Stadium. Uh, I'd like to thank Gina Weary for having us in her offices here at Remax Ready Realty in Conchahokan. If you're looking to uh, buy a home or sell your current one. Or you're looking for an apartment like Harvish was, feel free to contact Gina Weary here at Remax Ready Realty in Conchahokan at www.ginaweary.com or gina at ginaweary.com. Uh, after every Phoenix home game, meet us at Flanagan's Boathouse for food and drink specials. Come out and meet the team. Free autographs. Uh, we'll be uh, at least I'll be giving out free autographs to anybody that wants one. I, I signed at least two bills last week. I think count as autographs or anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> come on out for some food and drink specials. Uh, find us on Twitter at phl underscore phoenix. Uh, let us know what you think about all of the broadcasts from the play by play to the burning bird. And uh, find us on AUDL TV. Make sure that you like the Phoenix as your favorite team. So for Harvish Meta and Shaggy Shregus, I'm Steve Leiner. Thank you for joining us on Episode 5 of The Burning Bird. Bye. See ya.